Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters is on the air. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure-earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now... Our host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters Radio, sponsored by Wealthy Sisters Media Group. You can visit us for all your branding and publishing needs at www.wealthysistersmedia.com. That's S-I-S-T-A-S, wealthysistersmedia.com. Wealthy Sisters Radio is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women, and our purpose is twofold. First, you know we love to inspire and encourage you, the awesome listener, and also provide that practical knowledge that you can apply right now to positively impact your business and your life. And second, you know, we love to edify, promote, and acknowledge and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network. And today is another awesome Monday, October the 29th, 2012. Yes, and I hope you are as excited about your future, starting with the present right now as I am, because trust me, it is extremely bright, no matter what. What we are dealing with here on the East Coast, we definitely are sending all of our prayers and making sure that everybody is safe during this time. And you know what? We are here every week at the same time. That's Monday at 12 noon Eastern. So thank you again in advance for spreading the word. Wow, we tell you, this has been an incredible month here at Wealthy Sisters. It has been raining men, as you realize, all month for our first ever all-male guest panel for the month of October. This month was in response to so many of our inquiries about when are we going to showcase some brothers. Well, we did. We want you to know we were listening to you. And the first week we had Shay Brown, the sales expert extraordinaire. Then we had the dynamic duos, Derek and Daryl Miles, the milestone motivation with their superhuman performance. Then the week afterwards that we had the cybersecurity expert, Mr. Morris Cody. Last week we had Simon T. Bailey, author and creator of the Brilliant Institute. And today, wow, do we have another explosive show for you. Yes, we are wrapping up this month with a phenomenal guest, Mr. Derek Rydell, who is the creator of the Law of Emergence. I tell you, 
I must thank my big sister, my play big sister, Lou Royal, for introducing me to his material. When I found this, you know, if you were ever at a point in life where you felt like you've been doing everything you need to do and you've been affirming and you've been looking and going here and following and taking action but still feel like those dots have not been connected, well, I'm, trust me, this is the show for you because Derek Rydell, the creator of The Law of Emergence, is going to let you know that everything you need is all already within. See, you got to understand, after a life-changing brush with death while making a movie, Derek Rydell considered becoming a monk, then a minister, then cloistered himself in his apartment without TV or news and meditated for several years, emerging to become a licensed integrative therapist, best-selling author, and adopter monk, which he says that's another story, the world's number one leading expert on the law of emergence. He has helped top executives all across the country in Fortune 500 firms, companies like American Express to, to Disney, and I'm telling you, he's helped artists, media professionals, including Oscar and Emmy winners. So he is with us today. So you know what you need to do right now. Go call everybody, text them, tweet them, Facebook them, tell them to dial right now, 347-838-9278, 347-838-9278, so you can listen live or tune in to Wealthy Sisters Radio. You can download the show right there, and you can always find this show and all our other great shows free on iTunes. And remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So when we take this short break, I'm so excited. We're going to bring back to you none other than Mr. Derek Rydell. Hold tight. We'll be right back. Do you find yourself overwhelmed in paperwork? Are you struggling with administrative tasks preventing you from doing what you really love? then consider hiring a virtual assistant. Call M. Alexander and Associates Incorporated toll-free at 1-877-894-0564 or join them on the web at www.iwillassistyou.net. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebeattygroup.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-I-E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877-264-7699. Well, hello. We are live here on another fabulous Monday, wrapping up our all-male guest panel here for the month of October. It has, like I mentioned, been an awesome month. I encourage you to go to Wealthy Sisters Radio or iTunes. Click Wealthy Sisters and download the show. They, I'm telling you, will provide you with information that will change your life. And today we are going to wrap it up really, really strong with our phenomenal guest today, Mr. Derek Rodell. So I want to say hello and a welcome to Wealthy Sisters. Wow, thank you. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here. Yes, yes, the honor is all of ours, and we thank you in advance for everything that you did, all the sacrificing, closing yourself up for all those years to come up with the law of emergence. I tell you, I can only imagine the sacrifice that went into developing that. Well, yeah, it's it, <laughs> it's been a couple decades. Not, it wasn't just that that experience of you know my brush with death experience. It was. 
it was all the years that preceded that where I struggled and strived to make something of myself and to get find validation and approval and try to improve myself using every technique mm-hmm. under the sun that ultimately led me to becoming broke, uh, living in a one-bedroom apartment, eating Kraft macaroni and cheese, uh, broken up with my fiance, alone, suicidal even, and mm. uh, and addicted to drugs and alcohol. I mean, it really my my drive for improving myself and succeeding and getting approval drove me almost into the ground, and almost into the grave, almost into the grave even. And I ended up in the hospital, um, overdose, alcohol overdose, plugged into an IV, and I remember that was a definitely a turning point where I was lying there in the bed and thinking, hearing the beeping of the machines and going, there's, there's got to be a better way than all this struggle. And unfortunately, you know how they say the universe, uh, it'll, it'll first it'll whisper in your ear and then it will tap you on the shoulder and then it'll slap you upside the head and then it'll take a two-by-four to you. And that's supposed to be the end of it. You know, the two-by-four is supposed to be the thing that kind of wakes you up. Right, and I, and right. For, and for, for me, the two-by-four didn't quite do it. You know, I was... <laughs> I was I was lying in that emergency room almost having died, and it was definitely a turning point, but I still, you know, I kind of had selective amnesia and got back on the, the horse and tried to, you know, get out there and struggle and strive, and, and then it was my experience doing a movie in Jamaica, which you, you mentioned briefly, the Brush With Death experience, where I was caught underwater in a coral reef and um, for, for a, a couple hours, and... Mm. Uh, was caught in this small little spot that I didn't know how to get out of, surrounded by spiked coral and fire coral and uh, sand sharks below me, and just and and had to stay afloat using the my fingers just paddling. And mm-hmm. otherwise, if I would have lifted my head out of the water, if I would have tried to move or swim, I would have been skewered by all this giant spiked coral that looked like something from an underwater tomb out of Indiana Jones. It was just the most terrifying spot I'd gotten into, and I would have been skewered. It was within inches of my face, my eyes, my throat, my chest. And and I went through this whole experience reflecting on my life, reflecting on all the possible ways that I might be saved, and then reflecting on all the ways that I would die, but that wow. I might become... I might become you know, posthumously famous. <laughs> you know, I, I remember even thinking, I remember even my ego thinking, you know, I would end up on the cover of Hollywood Reporter, you know, <laughs> how we've lost another great talent in this business or something. And it's kind of funny, you know, even in the your last throws, the the, the ego is seeking its 15 minutes. Wow. But, um, but finally my, my mind really got to the end of the tape. And it was kind of like, you know, one of those old reel-to-reels. It was just like, you know, just going around and around, and there was nothing left. There was no more scenarios, no more bargaining, no more negotiating. And all that was left for me was I reached a point where I was no longer afraid that I was going to die or trying to negotiate out of it. I knew that I was going to. Wow. And it's kind of hard to understand what that experience is like. There's no more, you know, there's no more negotiation like, you know, God, if you just get me out of this, I'll go to church on Sunday. <clears throat> well, we were we were beyond that that particular bargaining t- chip. It was that I knew that this was it, and all that was left for me was complete unconditional surrender. And so I did. I let go. I surrendered. I just said okay, and I and I completely surrendered. I was exhausted too, and in that moment, the water either a wave. I don't remember exactly. A wave came 
or the water just lifted me up and wow. lifted me out of the spot and placed me right on top of the one area outside of the water that I couldn't see that was not covered in fire coral or anything. And I could finally stand, and I stepped out of it and looked back to where I had been caught in this labyrinth of, of a coral reef. And I could see that the exit was only inches behind me. Mm. All mm, along, mm, mm. all along, it had been there, and and oh. I looked at this, and I looked at this labyrinth, you know, that I had become caught in, and it really was a metaphor for the for my life, for the labyrinth of all the different things I've been trying and struggling to, to get out of this spot and to get into this spot and to manipulate this part of my life and improve this part of my life, and in that moment of surrender, something snapped in me. My ego was ripped from its moorings. Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, and wow. uh, and for the next year I you know tried um, unsuccessfully to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but I couldn't, and that's when I ended up cloistering myself in my apartment, and uh, was going to become a monk, and then a minister, and ultimately just decided to get rid of TV and news and videos and everything, and just meditate and journal and go back on this inner journey because in that moment of surrender in that moment of that inner break, something, I glimpsed something else. I glimpsed uh, a part of myself that had never been diminished or damaged by experience. And I glimpsed a part of myself that did not need to be improved upon. Mm. And, and, you know, being an actor and a, and a person who had been spending my life trying to improve myself, that was quite a revelation. And coming from the belief that I had a bad childhood, that because my father didn't support me or my mother was too overbearing or whatever the the, the stories are, <clears throat> that something was wrong with me, I was damaged goods, I was broken, something was missing, I was miswired. All of that was a fiction. All of that was just a story. Mm-hmm. And I could see that there was a self, there was a part of us that ha- was never touched by any of that and that there's a part of us that, that cannot be improved upon. It's already complete. And, mm-hmm. and I, didn't have the la- I didn't have the language for it then. But mm-hmm. but it drove me on this inner journey, and uh, mm-hmm. ultimately led you know many several years later to me having the language for it, and eventually call you know coining the term the law of emergence, and um, and what it really was was that I realized in this inner journey, and and through my studying with many great teachers, um, one of them, someone that you know, um, Michael Beckwith. You had his beautiful wife, Ricky, on your show not too long ago, yes. I think. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, I, I began to understand that that this, just as the oak tree is already in the acorn. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and the acorn doesn't need to struggle and strive to achieve oakhood. It doesn't need to attract an oak to it, but that the oak is already in it. And mm-hmm. when the conditions are right that oak naturally emerges. And, mm. and, that, and that's where the idea of emergence came from. That I realized, you know, especially with, with all the talk of the law of attraction and all these manifestation techniques, I realized that there was nothing really to attract. There was only this something within us to get in alignment with so that it could begin to emerge in our life. And we mm-hmm. can certainly go more into depth than that, but, but that was really where I began to understand that. Really, and really in studying the great religions, and teachings of the ages discovered that they were actually all saying the same thing. It just had been mis- misinterpreted. 
into, mm-hmm. into this idea that there was something outside of us, some power outside of us, something we didn't yet have that we needed to go find or attract or become worthy of, and that, 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 that none of that is true. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and so this was, you know, this, this really was quite a powerful revelation for me, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the results of which were pretty dramatic in my life in terms of turning things around. And and I want to get to how things turned around because, you know, I know at that point it probably, I want to know that it seemed like it was overnight. But, of course, we know there's always a process. But before you answer that, that moment that you said you surrendered, that point of surrendering where you just said, okay, that's it, I give, when you allow yourself to not be focused on anything else, is that the point where we are able to emerge or begin to connect those dots when we're able to surrender? Well, yeah, surrendering is a – people don't really fully understand surrender usually. They think it's Mm -hmm. acquiescing to a situation, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of giving up and throwing up the white flag. And and that can certainly be one of the steps to real surrender. Mm -hmm. But ultimately – what happens is it's as Ralph Waldo Emerson said that we need to get our bloated sense of nothingness out of the way of the divine circuits. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, or as Jesus said, if you try to save your little life, you will lose it. But if you're willing mm-hmm. to lose, lose your life for my sake, you'll have life everlasting. Mm-hmm. And, and what it really is saying, whether it's Emerson or Jesus or really all the great teachers or, or is that, that this sense of a self that we think is running the show, this personal sense of self that we think is the manager of the universe, that all of our energy to try to make our life happen and control it and manipulate it and manage it, <clears throat> that, that a great degree of that energy is actually the resistance that we're putting up against what is always and already trying to emerge through us and as us. It's mm. already here. It's, it's already trying to happen. It's kind of like, you know, the acorn, you know, trying to be not you know the, the the acorn trying to like hold on to its protective shell and and it, it doesn't realize there's a much larger life trying to emerge through it so it goes out and just tries to become the best nut in the forest but meanwhile mm-hmm. all that energy to try to make its own life happen is resisting and preventing this majestic oak tree from emerging so when we surrender when we when we let go when we when we turn our life or our attention over to a higher possibility or a higher vision and get out of the way, that power and that potential that's always trying to emerge in us or in any particular area, let's say it's a project we're working on or a business or a relationship, there's always something more trying to emerge. There's always the next level of our evolution trying to emerge. There's always more abundance, more wealth, more health, more joy, more love, It's always knocking at the door of our heart, trying to emerge, but all of our efforts to try to make it all happen, instead of trying to make it welcome, (laughs) creates the resistance. It creates the resistance, and it's holding it back. And that's why, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people are brought to their knees, and they finally give up, or they surrender, and then lo and behold, something happens. Or, yes. or or in a very small, small way, you know, you're trying to remember that, that phrase or that idea, and you're like, I can't, I can't get it. And you're trying to remember, trying to remember, and finally you just give up. And in yes. that moment, it kind of pops into your awareness. Yes. And so, so it's important to know that the universe is always conspiring 
to, to bring forth the next stage of our evolution, of our fulfillment. But most of our efforts to make it happen are actually preventing it from happening. It's, it's, it's making us out of alignment with it. It's blocking it. So, um, so for me, that, that moment of, of real profound unconditional surrender was a complete life turning, turning point because I had been spending my whole life trying to manage and control. And right. in that moment, I let go of control completely and unconditionally. There was no agenda attached. I wasn't doing it to try to get something. Okay. And oh, that's key. Um, that is key. Unconditionally it's really, surrender. It's really, uh-huh. it's really key. It's really key. Because otherwise what happens is the ego will take mm-hmm. over the process. And mm-hmm. it will say, I'm surrendering or I'm letting go so that I can get something. And And then it's really just another covert way of trying to manage and manipulate our life mm-hmm. and and it can tend to backfire on us so there has to be a real unconditional surrender but it's not a surrender to circumstances it's a okay. yielding it's a yielding to something bigger something better it's an understanding just as the acorn would if it had self-awareness that what it's yielding to is this magnificent oak tree that that what's within us is a divine purpose, an, an incredible destiny. Within every one of the individuals listening right now, there is undoubtedly a magnificent purpose, what I call a soul purpose blueprint. It's, it's already in you. It's a divine design. And you can't improve upon it, and nothing you've ever done or anybody's ever done to you has ever diminished or destroyed it. Wow. And, and it's awesome. It's as awesome as anyone that has ever lived, but it's unique to you. It's a unique expression of all of the power and all of the genius and all of the love and all of the abundance of the universe uniquely configurated as your life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's trying to emerge. It wants to express through you and as you. In fact, it's important to understand from the emergence model that you, that burning desire that you may have for some area of your life that desire is not a sign of something that's outside of you that you need to go get. It's a clue of something inside of you that's trying to get out, mm-hmm. that you're actually pregnant with something. The word mm-hmm. desire actually comes from a term that means of the sire or mm-hmm. of the father mm-hmm. or of the creative principle. And so that burning desire is already the clue or the guarantee that you've got it. Mm-hmm. You've already got it. You're pregnant mm-hmm. with something. You know, that desire, mm-hmm. for, to, that desire to be more wealthy, that desire to have the love of your life, that desire to build a business that not only makes a great income but an incredible impact, that that desire is the thing itself knocking on your consciousness, knocking on your heart, saying, I'm here, let me out. But mm-hmm. we misinterpret it as something we don't have that we need to now go get or make happen. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem begins so if i if by me asking you this if i were to ask you okay how do we balance between taking action and not trying to make it happen so would i be getting in the way by asking that question because how how does a person you know like myself and i know there are a lot of people out there and you can relate to this being um so talented and and on the path that you were on of like you said having to make things happen and being told if you want something you got to go and get it you you can't you know sit on your laurels you got to take action 
how do we balance that in in yielding to, in letting things flow and and emerge as you mentioned? Well, yeah, and let me just say one of the things because I I experience this firsthand and have many clients who have, uh-huh. but you know I I developed a lot of success in my life at various points, and and the problem with using all these old techniques of you know just law of attraction or manifestation right. or hard work or just hard work or just struggling and striving and all the different success practices is that so often it's not as much the practice as it is the context or the consciousness okay. from which it's coming. And ah. that if is that so so what we're often coming from is the concept or the consciousness or the self image that we are lacking, that we are broken, that something's missing, that something's wrong, that we uh-huh. don't have and so then all of our actions, we're out there trying to get, trying to make happen, trying to fix, trying to heal, trying to uh-huh. achieve, trying to accomplish. But the underlying premise to all of that is that something's missing, something's wrong, something's broken. So no matter what we do, even if we do all the right things, because the underlying premise is fundamentally false, mm-hmm. we're going to have to manifest more of that limitation. It's mm-hmm. like trying to dig yourself out of a hole. The more you dig, the deeper in the hole you get. And that's mm-hmm. why so many people experience, even when they use all these techniques to, mass, you know, to manifest a bigger paycheck, they find that they're just broke at a higher income bracket. <laughs> yeah, because of the consciousness. Right? Because right. They, brought, they brought themselves with them. They changed the world, but they stayed fundamentally the same. Wow. And as Gandhi said, we must become the change we want to see in the world. And so... And so those same issues, those same fears, those same limited self-concepts, they get brought with us. Now, that's the best-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is all of our struggling and striving actually exacerbates our feelings of inadequacy and lack and stress and ends up creating even less in our life. It's kind of like the biblical passage, to he who has, more shall be given. But to he who has not, even that which he has will be taken away. And that's a statement of consciousness or the metaphysical statement that says, to she who is right in mind, she can do all the wrong things and it will still turn out right. But to Mm. she who is wrong in mind, she can do all the right things and it will still turn out wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so it's fundamentally, uh, the law of emergence to begin with is fundamentally a paradigm shift. It's understanding, you know, just like Michelangelo when he created sculptures, he believed that God had already done all the work, created all the masterpieces, and his job was merely to look at that block of stone and see the masterpiece that was imprisoned in that block of stone and then just chip away everything that wasn't the masterpiece that was already there. Mm-hmm. And so he started with a fundamental premise that the work was already done. Mm-hmm. You know, Again, to use uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, when you pray, pray believing that you already have that you may receive. Mm-hmm. He was, mm-hmm. he was leaving, and this is what all the great teachers have taught. He mm-hmm. was leading people to, and even the great business leaders that, that really understand this fundamental truth, whether they're aware of it or not, is that you must start from the premise, like the acorn, you already have it within you. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that then all of your actions are not trying to make it happen. You're not trying to go out there and make an oak tree happen. You're not trying to go out there and get something. You're turning within and through your actions seeking to let something out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, so, mm-hmm. and so and it's a whole paradigm shift, but in my work 
with the law of emergence and emergineering and soul purpose blueprint and the different kind of things that I work on, the first three fundamental stages that you need to get clear on are, number one, you need to know what is, what is the vision that's trying to emerge in your life. You need okay. to have a vision. Okay. Because if you don't know where you're going, every road will take you there. Okay. And, that's right. You know, that's and right. So, and, or as, as it says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. Perish. That's right. It, do, it mm-hmm. doesn't say where there is no vision, you have a bad day. You know, mm. it, it doesn't say where there is no vision, you can't lose those last couple of pounds. No, it says where there is no vision, you die. Okay? It's over. It's over. And um, at the very least, you will become part of the walking dead. You know, you'll be part of the, the people living lives of, of quiet desperation. Even if, you're, if, you, even if you've got the corporate, you know, corner office, if you're not living a life of vision, tapped mm-hmm. into your core values and your real reason for living here, and you have real focus and real direction in an area that is your passion, then you will be, become deadened inside. You'll become burned out, and eventually all of your actions will no longer serve you. So that's number one. That's job number one. You need to get in touch with who and what you really are and why you're alive. Mm-hmm. Number two is beginning to find a practice and, and daily ways to engineer your life so that you are becoming more and more congruent with that vision and i could say okay. a whole lot about that but but just on the in, the in the basic sense it means if your vision is to be abundant and have an ideal relationship and a successful business then you have to look and see is that who i'm being now is okay. that how i'm feeling now who would okay. i be and how would i feel if I was living that life, if I was in the love affair of my life, if I was running that six- or seven-figure business or a six- or seven-figure job, how would I feel? And that's where we can use visualization to really tap into the feeling tone. What would that feel like to live that life? And then we can look and see, who would I be if I was living that life? More confident, more spoken, more more authentic in in my activities. I would have speak my truth more. You know, what, what would be the qualities of your character and the qualities of your feeling if you were mm-hmm. living that ideal vision? Mm-hmm. And then the third stage is create the quantum plan. And that is basically a combination of taking the actual outer vision and creating a plan so that you are daily and weekly moving in the direction of it. So most of us understand that. That's pretty basic. But it's, right. called, a quant- it's called a quantum plan because just as important we develop a daily practice, and we engineer our life so that these qualities that we were discovering in step two, you know, in terms of how would I feel, who would I be, we start engineering those qualities and being into our life now, not then. See, most people are thinking, well, I'll feel happy when right. I get more money. When. You all know, the ducks I'm, line I'm, up. Right. 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 I'm, doing, I'm mm-hmm. doing all this work in order to be happy, or I'm going to mm-hmm. earn all this money in order to feel good about myself. No, if you're doing it in order to feel happy or good about yourself, you're doing it in the wrong order. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. ultimately the happiness, the joy, the peace, the love, the abundance is already in you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you need to find a way to activate it and to begin to let it out. Mm-hmm. And so... And it's the very substance of the vision that you're trying to make happen in your life. So as you do, so you, for example, visualization is a good practice because it allows you to tap into the feeling tone and generate that new vibration, that new frequency, that new feeling. So you begin to walk more and more feeling like you are living the life you want to live. 
Then we look at the being, and we say, let's, for example, let's say I would, if I was living the vision of living a seven-figure, you know, life and in, in, in the love of my life, I would feel, I would really feel confident, or I would really love myself. I would really just really love and cherish myself. And so mm-hmm. we ask, okay, what would that look like in my life now mm-hmm. to step into being that? Mm-hmm. Now. What would I be doing? Would I you know, get exactly. a, for example, would I get a, a a massage once a month or you know, would I go to the salon or or I would would I volunteer here? Is, is that kind of what that would go in for three? Like the actual plan exactly. every day? Okay. Exactly. okay. As as you start to ask for guidance about that, you look at let's say you discover I would be more confident or something, or I'd be more mm-hmm. self loving. More mm-hmm. loving. And then you mm-hmm. ask yourself, you go into and you ask yourself, well, what would that look like? And mm-hmm. then you'll get some kind of guidance. Or you might start with, I'd be more confident, and you ask, well, what would that look like? And the guidance you get is, I would be more self-loving. Mm-hmm. But then you want to, you wanna, that, that's very vague guidance. And one of the problems with guidance is that we often stop at vague guidance. And that, the vague guidance will only get us vague results at best. So you want to ask, well, what would it look like to be self-loving now? And then mm-hmm. you might get something like um, take better care of myself. Mm-hmm. And that sounds a little mm-hmm. bit more specific, but it's still not mm-hmm. real guidance. But so how, you'd say, right. You'd say, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, how. Well, what, mm-hmm. what would it look like to take better care of myself, like specifically? Mm-hmm. And you just mm-hmm. keep sitting with that or journaling around that, and then you'll, you'll get a glimpse of you know, maybe exercise more often. Mm-hmm. And then you go, okay, specifically how often or mm-hmm. where or what? And as you mm-hmm. keep asking, you'll get back down to something specific. Like maybe you'll you'll get a glimpse of that yoga class you've been thinking about taking, right. and all of a sudden you you remember, oh yeah, I've been wanting to do that yoga, or mm-hmm. oh yeah, I've been wanting to start going on hikes with my friends, or oh yeah, I've been wanting to, you know, run a marathon. And suddenly you get you you get these glimpses and remembrances, or you'll just get direct guidance, and it's specific. It's something mm-hmm. you can actually put on your calendar, mm-hmm. and and it, and it, or for, for different people, it will be different stuff. You might say, what would it look like to really love myself? And you get, you know, write that book that you've been wanting to write. Right, and, right. And, it, and you go, okay, what's, how specifically should I do that? What, how much should I put towards that? And it's like, you know, write, you know, five pages a week or one page a day or whatever until you get something that's actionable. And then what happens is as you then engineer your life with this, these different steps, you start to activate the potential that was already in you, but you were waiting for something outside to change for you to activate it. It's important to know when we get into stage four of the emergeneering work, which is about engineering your emergence, give what appears missing. It's important to know that whatever's missing is what you're not giving, what you're not generating in your life, because it's already within you. You're a divine power plant, and a power plant doesn't receive energy, it generates it. And that's why when you begin to discover these particular activities and you begin to put them in your life, you are now generating something new. You're activating a new level of confidence, a new level of of joy or peace. And you can ask, you know, let's say for some of the specific qualities, like I would have more peace in my life or more joy in my life. You can ask, well, what qualities or what activities rather or people or places activate those feelings for me? And you you might remember that, you used to take long walks, and that used to always make you feel so energized. Or you might remember that, you know, there are certain songs that when you listen to, you always feel so so inspired. 
Or you might remember that hanging out with certain people, you always walk away feeling so confident or joyful. And you start to remember the people, the places, the activities, or even the objects like certain pictures, certain paintings, certain works of art or statues or or aromas or anything that would activate in you a feeling of being more who you really want to be or feeling more of what you would feel if you were living your vision. And mm-hmm. then systematically you start engineering your life with these people, these situations, these opportunities, these activities, so that you have a strategy where you are consciously and unconsciously feeling more and more and being more and more the person you would feel and be if you were living that vision. And here's the thing. People are probably listening and going, oh, my God, that sounds like so much work. And and like I'm going to be doing all these different things. But understand you're already doing all of that. Right. You've already created a strategy in your life to get the results you're getting. It's just happened mostly unconsciously and as a reaction. So the average person's strategy is, you know, get up in the morning. Let's say that, let's say they want to have more abundance in their life. They want to feel great and powerful and inspired. But here's their strategy. They get mm-hmm. up in the morning. They rush around. They turn on the news. They listen to how bad things are or gossip. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they rush into the kitchen. They, they drink some caffeinated beverage. They eat some high sugar, you know, uh, breakfast food or nothing at all. Processed stuff, right. Processed <laughs> or nothing at all so they don't even get uh-huh. the metabolism going. And then uh-huh. they – and then so then later on in the afternoon they start to crash. They need to, you know, grab that bagel or that muffin or whatever – and and then they on the way to on the way to work, you know, if they're driving, they're listening to more radio and people talking about how bad things are or fighting or gossiping or whatever. And and then they get to work and then they commiserate around the coffee urn or the water cooler about how bad the economy is or, or whatever's going on, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. life and some problem in their life. And then they sit down at their desk and they and they think about, mm-hmm. you know, how much they hate this job and wish they were doing something else. Or if they're a, self, if they're a solopreneur, they sit at their desk and, t- and think about how many clients they don't have and how many clients they wish they did. And, and then on and on this goes, you know, and this, this is their strategy. And then and they look at the newspaper or they look at the news and they all these images and impressions of what's not working, what's missing, what's lacking. And there's little little glimpses of a moment of joy or a prayer or a little meditation or a little affirmation. But mostly their strategy is making them congruent with a life of limitation and lack and problem focus and basically keeping them at the status quo. But what I'm talking about is once you know what your vision is, you must consciously re-engineer your life so that you are consciously, strategically organizing your relationships, your activities, your attention Mm -hmm. to, to the things that make you feel more and more like the person you would be if you were living that. And I'll give you an example real quick. Um, you know, I was I was an up-and-coming actor, and then I had that brush with death experience, and and I was um, and I was becoming pretty successful, and then I lost everything. I pretty much everything fell apart, and I went from being an actor to being a waiter. So I did it in reverse. You know, usually you go from a waiter to an actor. To an actor, and I, right? <laughs> and so I ended up becoming a waiter, and. Um, because I lost all my savings, everything. And uh, and I remember pe- people would come in that I'd been in movies with, and I had to wait on them. Mm. And it was very humiliating. Mm. And uh, so ultimately I decided to begin to practice this work that I'm talking about. 
because none of none of what I'm saying is theory. I've practiced this in the field, mm-hmm. and and I began to apply this work. I began to really get clear on what my vision was for my life. I began to do the daily practice to activate the feeling tone of it. And I began to show up at that job as if it was a five-star restaurant, as if I was living my destiny, as if I was the person I wanted to be. I began bringing the level of excellence and, and focus and inspiration and, and work ethic and, and service orientation and, and love. And I began to bring all these qualities that, see, the average person there again, they're waiting for the perfect life to show up before they bring all of themselves to it. Right. And, so, and the problem is, remember, whatever's missing is what you're not giving. Right. And so, so I began to bring all of me to this place. And, wow. And I showed up like the leader, like the, the genius, like the powerful being that I, that I felt that I could be in the future. And I began to bring that to bear. And so what was interesting is that I began... It's also not just what you show up as and what you put into your life, but what you stop doing and what you take out of your life. So, for Mm. example, I -hmm. stopped gossiping with the other waiters. Mm -hmm. I I stopped Mm -hmm. criticizing all of the customers. You'd be amazed Mm -hmm. how often Mm -hmm. the waiters get around and criticize the customers. (laughs) She's getting on my nerve. Right, you know. (laughs) I stopped stopped playing that, being participating in that. Right. And I just would go about my work and do the best I could because that wasn't congruent with mm-hmm. the person I ultimately was meant to be. So I had right. to stop. I had to consciously fast from those activities. And then I began to give, you know, five-star service, even though it was a three-star restaurant. And people started to, you know, uh, commend me. They wrote letters to the corporate office. You know, they're like, oh, my God, the service was amazing and all this stuff. And the waiters started to get jealous, and the manager mm-hmm. started to get suspicious, mm-hmm. and I was I was I was fired. Mm-hmm. And um, they eventually they hired me back because they realized that I hadn't done anything that I was scapegoated or it was a mistake. And then I began to even go deeper, and because that brought up all kinds of feelings of rejection and disappointment, and so I had to keep doing the work on myself, forgiving everyone, releasing all blame. Keep owning my vision. Keep activating that visionary vibration. Keep showing up like the individual that I really wanted to be and show up as him now. Mm. And then I got fired again. And so then I, I got hired back because they realized again that it was, <laughs> it was a mistake by a manager or something. And, wow. And then I started showing up again, and I was like, you know, I found little places where I was still out of integrity. Like little things, like I would take a muffin and eat it like a roll. You know, everybody did that because they were just right. back there. They were back there in the warmer. And then I started to notice that, that I was sneaking whenever I did it. And I thought, <laughs> if this is okay, like everybody says it is. Why am I sneaking? <laughs> and I thought, and I said, let me ask the manager and see if it's okay. And sure enough, it wasn't. And so I was basically stealing but rationalizing that it was okay. It was just a muffin. You know, right. or right. refilling my soda. You know, it was okay. It was just soda. And finding out that this wasn't okay, that I was stealing, that I was out of integrity. And, of course, we all do these little things, but we rationalize them. So I was cleaning up my act even more, and then I got fired for a third time. Mm. So I stayed fired after that. I decided that, you know, it was I should stay fired. And my, what my fiancé at the time was, like, ready to go and, you know, kill people there. She hated them so much, <laughs> what they were, how they were treating me. <laughs> And uh, and so 
and, and I, but I didn't have any animosity toward them. She couldn't understand how can you not hate these people? How can you not be bitter? <laughs> What's they're such wrong jerks. With you? They're such jerks. They keep firing you wrongly, and they're they're mean to you, and they don't appreciate you. And, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. But I just I don't feel any animosity at all. I felt nothing but compassion. Mm. And what, what's important? What I want people to understand what happened there. What happened was that as you begin to show up. As you begin to activate this higher vibration and show up as the person you really are meant to be and become bigger emotionally, energetically, and bring your best self, what's going to happen is one of two things. Either that relationship, because this can work in relationships, or that job, or the situation, or the project, either it's going to raise those people or that environment's going to lift its vibration to match yours. Mm -hmm, Or mm -hmm. if it's not willing or able it's going to spit you out. Run. Uh-huh. And, and that's what kept happening. I, I, I kept becoming, a, 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 I, I was no longer matching that vibration of that environment, so it kept pushing me out. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, this is not a woo-woo, new age concept. This is actually physics. Mm-hmm. This is actually, mm-hmm. we understand that energetically in physics, when, the, when the, the particular energy or the cycle or the phase shift happens in, even in the atom, it will spin another atom out of that particular orbit into a higher orbit. So mm-hmm. I was in a higher orbit, and those individuals just were not. And that's not a judgment. It's just a matter of it's, it's math. It's right. science. It's and science, so, right. And so, and so I got spit out, and finally on the third time I stayed fired. And within a very short time, like a month or so, I got hired and was now being paid thousands and thousands more doing what I loved, bringing more of my creativity, more of my genius and leadership, being flown and traveling around the country. And, mm. and now I was being wined and dined in five-star restaurants instead of waiting on anybody else. And all of that emerged, and that, that whole new level of my life was not something that happened in my future. It happened in my present moment while I was on that waiter job. Right. That's why I want, you cannot get to where you want to go until you're willing to totally be present to where you are. Right. So and, that's, and that's what I did, and that's the possibility of emergence. Wow. And you know, and for me, I'm just thinking that would be that would be the surrendering part as well. Um, even the things that you mentioned, like the steps you talked about, if once you break down in step three, what would your daily practices be? You know, would you would you treat your how would you treat your body better? Would you work out? All those things that we say we're going to do when I have more time. I'm going to do yeah. that when I get to that point. Yeah. And um, yeah. That, it'll never that, happen. It'll never. It'll yeah. never happen. It'll it never, never happen. It doesn't That's why I say to people, what you're waiting for, yes. you're waiting. You're waiting with, and yes. you're weighing it down. Wow. And so, and so, what I say to people, it's time to lose all the weight. W A. Wow. This is the wow. real weight loss diet. W A. Wow. And it's time <laughs> to get off your big fat assets. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and um and 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 understand that that everything you're wanting, you know, it's like like a lot of people I work with a lot of people around relationships and you know they're like I ask them, you know, who would you be if you mm-hmm. were in that ideal relationship and you were being cherished and adored and appreciated and lavished with love and compliments and taken care of and all these things that we're waiting for, who would you be if once you had all that? How would mm-hmm. you feel about yourself? How would you treat yourself? And you can just 
feel the back getting a little straighter and the head held a little high and that that feeling of being a goddess or royalty or whatever the feeling is. It's like suddenly you'd be like, ooh, you know, I'd take some time for myself. Maybe I would start dancing again or singing again or painting. Like they suddenly discover that who they would be would be so fully alive. You mm-hmm. know, they'd be, you know, you'd go out, they'd go out and they'd be the life of the party. They'd be so alive. There'd be something that's so turned on in them. And I say, so, so here's the key. You have to turn that on now. Mm-hmm. You have to become alive now. Because the other thing about it is that when, when a person, let's just say for women, when a man walks into a, a place, is he going to be most attracted to the woman that's sitting over against the wall, melding into the wall because she's waiting for somebody to notice her and appreciate her before she comes alive? Or is he going to look at that woman that's alive, that's dynamic, that's alive. That's, that's that right. doesn't need anybody else's approval or opinion? She's loving herself. She's already in love with, with life and with herself and with everybody around her. That's the one that's going to attract her. Or another right. way I'd say is you're looking for your soulmate. I go, if you haven't activated your own soul, then they're not going to recognize you. Wow. They're going to walk right by you. Wow. And, and so you need to um, become alive now. You need to love yourself and cherish yourself and respect yourself and appreciate and adore yourself and take care of yourself as if you are in that relationship of a lifetime, as mm-hmm. if you are that absolute success. And just notice when you start to, to, to tap into that, like you were saying, Deborah, is that you would, you would treat yourself differently. You would treat others differently. You would bring a different level of energy. You would show up in different areas of your life more fully. And, and again, the key is, is that that's never going to happen in the future. And, and here's the challenge. If, in fact, you wait and through sheer will you, you muscle your way into manifesting something more in your life, like a relationship or a job, but you haven't done this inner work, and you haven't right. really realized that, that it's already in you, you're going to become a prisoner to that job or you're going to become a slave to that person. You're going to become codependent because you're going to believe that the reason you feel so good or the reason why you is that person or that paycheck. Or that job. And that's not true, but it's mm-hmm. going to really feel that way. And it's so much more scary when you, once you've gotten the outer good to try mm-hmm. to now risk letting it go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to find yourself. That's why Jesus said it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than it is a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. By the way, he didn't say a camel to fit through the eye of the needle. He really said a rope, but it was, it was a mistake in the, in the Aramaic text. But, but just, just for a, it's a little side note, because why would he say a camel fitting through the okay. eye of the needle? Right, uh, right. But, but anyway, but he was saying because the rich man, already has all this stuff and there's the and, and there's the fear that he's going to have to sacrifice and lose it all to right. get real freedom and so the same thing with us if we strive and struggle to get the relationship and the job and the money but we haven't done this inner work to first possess ourselves, to first own ourselves, and realize that the joy and the abundance and the, the feelings all the good feelings are coming from within us then once we're in that situation it's it's more tricky and more difficult to really do this inner work and risk losing it. It's not mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not possible, but if you're struggling right now, now is the most perfect time to do this work and to really awaken to your own power and your own magnificence even before the appearances change. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, I can I can see this, and and I'm as I'm listening and have been listening to you uh, the past couple of months, I can see that um, the the fear of when you make a mistake or or when there is some failure, and when I can see this all being tied up to the ego, like you mentioned earlier, um, the ego is very powerful, and even at the at you know facing death, it can still try to get its last few minutes of fame when yeah. when a person has uh maybe made a mistake or they've experienced failure in business or made a a, a poor judgment decision or what have you and they want to move to that space of okay everything that you're saying visualizing and seeing yourself uh as this great business person and carrying out things that you plan to do how does a person need to move beyond that I guess that whole doubt that that was placed there by that failure or having, and, and like I said, I'm answering it, I know, like getting over what people are going to think or, or what have yeah. you and all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. This is this is actually a really big part of what blocks a lot of us and in, in on the self-improvement or success path. We mm-hmm. think we should just struggle and strive past those doubts and fears and mm-hmm. negative feelings. And, in fact, those are some of the richest parts of us that we need to embrace mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and integrate because, ultimately, that part of you that feels like a failure or a loser mm-hmm. or inadequate mm-hmm. or unworthy, we've been mm-hmm. spending so much of our life trying to improve that part of us or trying mm-hmm. to get rid of it or mm-hmm. cover it up, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we just get a little more successful or we just lose a little more weight or we just find the right this or the right that, we'll, we won't feel that inadequacy, that unworthiness, or that sense of failure. And in fact, it will only exacerbate it. But if mm. we turn around to that part of us and we recognize that that's just a shadow, somewhere early on in our life we got the message that we were not good enough or we were unworthy or our ideas were foolish or who do you think you are to be wanting something so big or you know, you're selfish or you're whatever – and we mm-hmm. began to create these coping mechanisms to try to not feel the pain and the shame of that, that judgment. And when we turn to those parts of ourselves instead and we start embracing those parts that feel bad and, and loving them and asking them, you know, where did you come from? Where did, you, did I originally reject you? What was that event? And wow. how have you been a blessing in my life all along? Because those wow. parts that make us feel the worst – actually drive us to develop the parts of us that are the best. True. And, mm-hmm. and so when we begin to realize that was a gift of this part of us, and we begin to love that part of us, and then we ask, what do you need from me now to mm-hmm. feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel validated? Not mm-hmm. what do you need from the world, but what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. And as you listen and you talk to those parts of you that are crying out, and if you don't, they will sabotage you. They will get your attention one way or the other. And they'll cause you to procrastinate. They'll cause you to eat when you really don't want to. They'll cause you to do things that, that cause you to self-destruct in certain areas. They'll, they'll sabotage you until you start giving them attention, like children that are acting out. Right. And then you ask, what do you need? And it will start to speak to you. It will start to say things like, I need you to slow down. I need you to take more time for yourself. I need you to, you know, speak up in this area. I need you to, you know, really love me and stop trying to fix me. I need you to stop dieting, 
you know, and realize that the first three letters of the word diet are die, die you know, right. and, <laughs> and, 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 and instead start loving your body and appreciating mm-hmm. what it's done for you, whatever, mm-hmm. it will start speaking to you. And as you mm-hmm. embrace that and follow that guidance, you will integrate that. Like, for example, so many women are trying to, you know, not be angry and, you know, just try to be, you know, because when a woman's angry, she's a bitch. Right. When a, man, when a man's angry, he's in control. He's business, yeah. You know, and so we're all, all, all the women are trying to repress the angry bitch, or they're just <laughs> out there letting it fly in a, in a way that's not serving them. But when you embrace her, right. she, is, she becomes your power source. She becomes the part of you that's, that's taking care of you, that's creating healthy boundaries, and she won't sabotage you by coming out in a way that's, that's destructive, she'll come out in a way that's authoritative and powerful. And when you love her, even if other people judge you, it will just roll off your back because you will no longer have the judgment within you. See, we don't fear other people's judgment. Mm. What we fear is the pain that we feel when we judge ourselves. Mm. Because someone else's judgment can't get inside of us. It, mm-hmm. All it does is it reflects back to us what we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we try to fight it, deny it, but really it's all happening within us. So when we heal the judgment within us, it doesn't matter. You know, people, I mean, you know, we all have these parts in us, you know. I'm, I'm a fool, I'm arrogant, I'm controlling, I'm stupid, I'm all those things. But because I've taken the time to embrace them and find the gift in them and find the power in them, the, the asset that they bring to my life, now they can be used rather than them using me. And right. now now a person can project their own limitations and fears on me and say this or that about me. It doesn't bother me because it doesn't make me defensive anymore because there's nothing to defend. If right. somebody says, you know, you're so stupid, like my kids, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like I could say, uh, okay, maybe, you know, and I can listen to what their feedback is and go, yeah, that was pretty stupid. That was, that was pretty lame. Um, right. There's no defensiveness because, and then I can learn, and and you know, if somebody says you're so controlling, um, I can look and see is there something that I'm doing that's over controlling, but I because I love my controlling self, it allows me to have structure, it allows me to have discipline, it allows me to take charge. But when you have judgment about those parts of you, then they mm. become destructive. They show mm. up as people controlling you, mm. or as you or as you becoming a control freak, you mm. know. Or if you don't love your selfish self, then you become a people pleaser. You become a person that's always trying to do for others and never taking care of yourself, and you wonder why you're so resentful. Mm-hmm. You wonder why you feel so burned out. Because mm-hmm. you don't love your selfish self. You got judged or shamed somewhere early on about, about that part of you. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so you have to embrace yourself, and then you get back on track and you take the action that you've committed to taking, regardless wow. of how you feel. And if wow. you keep acting as if, you know, if people say, well, I couldn't do my work today because I wasn't inspired. I'm like, no, do the work. Write those pages and you will activate inspiration. They're like, I couldn't go to the gym today because I didn't have the energy. No. Or because I didn't feel good about myself. No, that's not why you didn't go to the gym. You didn't go to the gym because you didn't go to the gym. That's it. <laughs> and so, so if you just go to the gym anyways, feeling bad about yourself, feeling tired, at the end of that workout, you're going to feel better and more energized, guaranteed. Right. Now, so, I'll tell you. Oh, oh, go ahead. So that's all. I mean, that's that's the key is that we've just been 
hypnotized into believing that our feelings are stopping us, and they're really not. You know, they're I've proved it over and over and over again that you can still do whatever you need to do, no matter how you feel, and then you'll begin to send a message that says, I'm not controlled by my feelings. My right. feelings are t- tools that I use, but they do not have power over me. And then you will notice that those feelings that were not serving you will start to dissipate. Wow. Quickly, Deborah, just in case, because I don't know what time we have. I want yes, to make sure yes, I was going to say, we only have about that. two minutes left. So tell me about the soul, about the soul purpose, and please give all your information so they can know how to get in contact with you. Absolutely. Um, they can go to www.YourSoulPurposeBlueprint.com, and I've put together a special package there that includes all of what we've been talking about and so much more. And these are real products, my new Soul Purpose Blueprint, which is about mm-hmm. really getting in touch with who you are and why you're alive. And I would encourage people to go there right now to your soulpurposeblueprint.com. And also the Law of Emergence program that used to be a $597 program. I'm giving it for free. Wow. And my group coaching where I actually work with you personally on the call two to three times a month, I'm giving it away for free. Wow, so the group coaching. To, wow. Yeah, so you actually get to work with me on the call two or three times in a, in a month and work on these issues and have real breakthroughs. And people have life-changing breakthroughs in a matter of minutes. I can, tell, I can help them tap into a lifelong trauma and reverse it in a matter of minutes. I can help them discover a place, discover their life purpose or their true core passion when they have been living their life confused in a matter of minutes. So, wow. um, and I'm not boasting. That's just what actually happens on these calls. And um, so you get that for free. So just look at this page. And all of that's just free stuff. And, and so, mm. because I want people to have all of the, um, the tools that they really need to start really activating that destiny of greatness that's trying to emerge in them. And mm-hmm. the whole program ultimately is a, has a real retail value of over $1,900. Wow. And, and you're doing all, this. And it's only for $127. So it's like a little bit more than a cup of coffee at Starbucks for a month. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the month of Starbucks, you know, you may, you, you have to keep drinking it to get a buzz. But if you do this work, it will lift your vibration permanently. And, of course, with all my work, it's completely guaranteed. So if this doesn't work, if this doesn't change your life, if you don't feel after 30 days of working on this and working with me that your life is not different and better significantly, then you get all your money back. So wow. Starbucks doesn't offer that kind of a deal. If you go to Starbucks for a month and drink their coffee at the end of the month and say, I don't really like that after all, they're, not, they're going you know, to show you the door. They're not going right. to write right. you a check for, for, for all the money you've spent. But because right, I know right. this works, because I have people that are their lives are changing, they're getting jobs, they're making doubling and tripling, quadrupling their income, they're healing their relationships, they're having a deeper connection to their spirit, they're finding their purpose finally, they're getting their life on track. I mean, daily and weekly, this is happening for people. So wow. I know I wow. know that it works, so, <clears throat> so that's why. And I that's YourSoulPurposeBlueprint.com, YourSoulPurposeBlueprint.com, and they can also go to your website, Derek Rydell, R-Y-A, excuse me, R-Y-D-A-L-L dot com and join your mailing list there as That's well. That's right. All right. To, they can also go to lawofemergence dot com if they want to get. A Law free, of Emergence, okay. Yeah, just to get the free um, the free foundational program. But, um, All right. But definitely All check right. out your soulpurposeblueprint.com dot com because it won't be there for very long. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're all out of time now. I tell you, time goes by too fast. We have to wow. hopefully have an opportunity to have you on the show again. We did have a packed out line here and a couple of questions we didn't get a chance to get to in the chat room there. So we definitely um, appreciate you so much, and thank you for all that you are doing. And oh, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in as well. This has been another wonderful episode of Wealthy Sisters with our very special guest, Derek Rydell, and we want you to tune in next week as we have another powerful guest with Yvonne Mitchell. She's an attorney, Evelyn, excuse me, Mitchell, who is an attorney. She's going to go over some things that we need to do to prepare our businesses and prepare for the future with our lives as well and planning our family estates. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in to Wealthy Sisters. And as always, we wish you and yours the best of everything great. Continue to have an awesome day. See you next week. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman, turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister, and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysistas.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.